my friend. Thanks so much for coming out. I tell you what, I'm going to let you find a nice calm station to play while we hang out here by the fire. I'm going to run back inside and get the carafe of coffee. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Rocks, God, the world and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is season 17, episode 358. Title, Can You Cool Your Jets for Just One Day? Subtitle, The Meek Shall Inherit the Earth. This podcast goes out to all the abused who come under the hearing of this episode. Abuse comes to us in a multitude of ways, and for some it comes in greater ways and intensity than it does to other people. It's just a fact. Some of us seem to just be born with a kick-me sign plastered on our backs that only abuser-type people have some sort of innate ability to sniff out. Their desire just grind you down. This episode may be a little disjunctive and incomplete because these thoughts I'm sharing with you are not finished, and in time, I will probably have a lot more to say on the subject. But growing up in a severely alcoholic home, which I did, guarantees abuse at some level. It just comes with the territory from a mind that is controlled by substance that causes severe depression, mental confusion, and tension, and at the same time, lowering a person's built-in controls that would normally present some sort of roadblock to hateful, demeaning, hurtful speech, and for some alcoholics, rampages of physical violence. This podcast isn't about alcohol. I'm just letting you know, my friend, I personally know what prolonged abuse is and feels like. As I have aged, I've become more outspoken in response to mean, hateful people. This is in large part flows out of a desire to no longer be a doormat of abuse for the abuser. The abuser can be an 18-year-old server at the local restaurant who has the nerve to address you like you're a moron and think they can get away with it, to a man in a parking lot at the kids' soccer games who proceeds to yell at you without provocation. As a man, I have found myself beginning to evaluate, am I doing right by never responding? Am I setting me and my family up for something dangerous by not addressing aberrant behavior from public people? Self-defense books will teach you not to act like nothing is going down. Instead, you should address the situation clearly and forcefully. Christ does not require that we sit back and remain silent when we are thrust into a dangerous situation. And what about guarding your heart because it is the wellspring of life? Does Jesus just expect you to be a doormat for an abusive spouse, parent, work associate, neighbor, family member, or a stranger at the ball field? Where is the line where hatefulness and abuse must be addressed and resisted? Or is there a line? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus said that the meek will inherit the earth. It is clear in the Greek that Jesus is talking about a real inheritance of the earth that really is coming to the one whose life is characterized by the attribute of meekness, a key attribute of the personality of Christ. Of course, this attribute is held within the context that the meek person is a child of the living king. The meekness Jesus speaks about does not negate dealing with things in a pronounced way like Jesus did when he cleaned the temple after his triumphal entry before he was crucified. The concept of meekness has everything to do with, by the power of the Holy Spirit, reigning in sinful anger and unbridled passion. Unfortunately, we have had vigorous passion modeled to us by successful preachers, as we call them, who are held in high esteem because they get almost belligerent at times in their preaching and personal behavior and are heralded as men of passion. 
I went to a teleconference on church leadership back in the day when that was a big deal, and I remember a story told by the key pastor who hosted the event, supposedly live, remote, which now I look back and I wonder if it really was, but it was heralded as live remote from his church in Chicago. He said that he went to a youth group fellowship at a church member's house. In the kitchen, he struck up a conversation with a teen girl. He asked her what church she attended. She said she attended X Church, and X being the name of his church's student ministry. The pastor told the teen girl, why, that's a part of our church, my church. That's just the name of the youth group. She was like, whatever, I attend this church. The pastor was furious. The following day, he called the student pastor into his office and scolded him for creating, as he saw it, a subset that was not tying the kid into an understanding that the youth group events are a part of a larger whole. The youth pastor responded that he was just modeling what he had learned from the senior pastor, the one who was scolding him, which he, in fact, was doing, being highly sensitive to the seeker. The youth pastor tried to explain to the senior pastor that the new kids that were coming in were, of course, connecting with the youth group first. The pastor fired the student pastor. He then looked into the camera and told the minister sitting under his teaching across the nation, men, sometimes you just have to do the hard thing and tell that staff member that they're fired and don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. I was sickened by the number of pastors in the room where I was seated and across the room who said aloud amen to that statement. My friend, how abusive. Finding joy in a young minister cast instantly into an economic tailspin, placing him and his wife and children in dire straits. That braggadocious display played in my mind when it was later revealed this passionate self-starter church planter extraordinaire, and I say that in quotes, was removed from the megachurch he started for gross marital infidelity. I wonder how it felt when he was jettisoned out the door of the church he created. Did they give him his own smarmy farewell? I doubt it. I sat across the lunch table from a truly kind elderly man in his very late 70s at that time. He was the director of one of our senior adult Sunday school classes. With tears in his eyes, he looked at me and said, I don't understand why she has to be so mean. I was shocked. His wife, by all appearances, was a petite, kind elderly woman. I asked him if he was talking about his wife. He said, no, my mother. I asked, your mother? Your mother is still alive? He said, yes. She's in her 90s and lives with us. I found out that by that time she had lived with him and his wife for many years. He then went on to give an account of what a good son he had been to her and how he had given care to her for all those years and years in his home. He then went on to explain that she was mean and hateful to him and that she had always been mean and hateful to him. He sat there shaking and crying lightly, trying to hold back a complete breakdown in that small Italian restaurant. My friend, here's the catch for me in all of this. Each of us, man or woman, must monitor closely what is happening on the inside, in our inner person, and place our guard up against falling into a trap of the devil. As we walk the fine line between being as wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, and going too far in our response to abusive situations. The most honorable person can do a great sin, including murder, if they don't guard their minds and trust God for his care and intervention when we suffer abuse. Good people who love Jesus can do really bad things when anger and passion takes over, when we find ourselves in an abusive situation. 
As I was writing this podcast, a friend of mine sent me a link to a devotion by Ray Stedman based on Romans chapter 13, verse 14, where it says, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Stedman goes on to say that as we fall back into Jesus, quote, He gives us all the power to love. If we choose to exercise this power in the moment that needs it, we can release in this world this radical, radical force that has the power to change everything that is around us. It will change our homes, our lives, our communities, our nations, the world, because a risen Lord is available to us. In the last days, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. My friend, we have been in the last days ever since Jesus ascended back into heaven. Abusive behavior by mean, hateful, sinful people is nothing new. The question before you and me each time we encounter abuse is how will we choose to deal with it? What will be our response? One thing is for certain, the potential for the worst outcome for our own safety and well-being always occurs when we let our minds idle through life, when we are just idling through the day. Friend, it's a hard reality to face, but as my key theological professor once said to me, we live in a spiritual war zone and the soil is covered with landmines. This world is a real spiritual battlefield, and as much as we would love to let down our guard and just relax, when we are in the presence of other people, when we are not alone, there is always the possibility for our adversary, the devil, to hurl one of his fiery darts at us, and we are waylaid before we even know what happened. I'm working on an in-depth writing on this spiritual attribute of meekness, but for now, let me close with this. Meekness does not mean weakness. Meekness is the human mind and personality under the full control of the Holy Spirit so that every response to human interaction is the perfect act of redemption that glorifies Christ, protects our Christian testimony, blocks danger, and extracts the best of all results from the intended evil harm. The overwhelming norm for the reaction of Jesus while he lived on this earth was to ignore the abuser and turn the other cheek. In the final weeks of Christ's life before his crucifixion, he did act out in a major way by cleansing the temple. The cleansing of the temple by Jesus found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke was an event related to his fulfillment as the promised Messiah. But look back over Jesus' life, and this bold outburst of holy repulsion was not the norm, but was an act of purification of the temple, which he called his house. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, he said, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Friend, Jesus was righteous and just in his actions and behavior that important day. But his invitation to us found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 is, Take up my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My friend, this should be the normal avenue of response when we are wronged. Puritan preacher Jeremiah Burroughs, in his collection of sermons titled The Saint's Happiness, gives an excellent idea to fight against sinful passion by making a commitment to God to exercise meekness and the strength of Christ for just one day. When you first wake up, put your feet on the floor and say, Today there may perhaps fall to me something that will stir my passion and take away the comfort of meekness I have enjoyed. I will covenant through God's enablement that today whatever else shall befall me, I will be quiet at least until evening. 
I am resolved to curb my passion and my will for this one day. Friend, if this seems too long, then make a commitment to God to be silent amid conflict until at least lunchtime. Burroughs acknowledges that this tool, this technique, this commitment alone will not, as he says, mortify our passions. In other words, the external restraint will not in itself kill the inner problem. But there is benefit in keeping down our passions for a while. As we put even a temporary halt to our passions, we give God time to work in our hearts, to show us the real, tangible, palatable results of coming under the influence of God's Holy Spirit, empowered meekness, where we find real peace and rest for our weary souls. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace. Peace.